What's up, everyone? Good morning and praise the Lord. Um, I am your brother in the Lord, Edward Walker, and I am super excited to be here with you on this morning to be able to share this message with you that the Lord has placed on my heart. So I just want to, first of all, give God all of the glory and all the praise for he is the one and only one that deserves it. But I also want to bless him for the shepherd of this house. Uh, I don't know everything about JD, but I know that Christ Church Charlestown has been blessed with a strong shepherd. And I am just grateful and happy to know that I have gained a friend uh, in Pastor JD. But also I want to thank my family for all of the support that they have shown me over the past several years, the ups, the downs, the left, the rights, all of the different directions that this thing can go. Um, and through all of it, my family support has made me strong, and so I'm just honored to be here. Before we get started, I just want to say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, blessed be thy name. I pray that on this morning, Heavenly Father, that you bless your messenger, for your message is already blessed. I'm, I'm praying that you just decrease me, Heavenly Father, and increase you within me. Take complete control over my mind, my body, and my spirit, so that everything that comes out of my mouth is going to feed the soul of your children. I ask these things all in the name of your Son and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let me ask you this. Have you ever been at a family gathering um, when all of the kids are in one general area playing, fighting, screaming, etc. And all of the adults are in another general area engaging in what my mother would call grown folk business. And then out of the blue, a child cries out. If you've ever paid close attention to the dynamics in the yard, you would notice that every woman in the yard who is a mother immediately rose to their feet. Their ears are perked up, their eyes are open wide, they're listening and they're looking for the cry. But of all of the mothers that stood to their feet, there is always one mother that begins to immediately run towards the cry. Why? Because she is like a shepherd that recognizes the sound of its sheep. Uh, and in most cases, brothers and sisters, if the mother isn't close enough, there is an adult, a friendly family member who might go to the child and the child might respond to someone like an Uncle JD or an Auntie Natalie, uh, but all the while keeping its ears and its eyes open for its shepherd. In fact, even if there is no pain in the body, the child may continue to cry out at the top of its lungs waiting for its shepherd to arrive. And that is emblematic of a relationship between the good shepherd and its sheep. And I want us to think about relationships today. And so I'm going to bring a word to you to sort of capitalize on what it means to have a relationship between the good shepherd and its sheep. And the Bible uh, tells us in John 10, 28, that Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands. Let me ask you, have you ever tried to pluck a baby out of the hands of its mother? Not only will the baby meet you with a great resistance in a great fight, but the mother will meet you with great resistance in a great fight. In fact, most mothers will lay down their lives for their children. And this is the relationship between a good shepherd and its sheep. Jesus wants us to know and understand this concept so much so that he put it in scripture for us to read and understand. And so today I'm going to speak from a simple subject that I have entitled One Flock, One Shepherd, One Relationship. And brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but when it's all said and done for me, I want to be in one specific flock led by one specific shepherd. And so I'm going to be reading for your hearing from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 7 through 16. Again, that is the book of John, chapter 10, verses 7 through 16. And the Bible says, so Jesus again said to them, and at this point, he's having a conversation with the Pharisees. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pastures. The thief 
comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and may have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, this final verse is extremely important and it's my favorite part because I feel like Jesus was talking about me. He said, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now, this message is important to me for a number of different reasons, but more so today than ever before, because I truly believe we are living in a time when everyone wants to recreate or redefine what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. I have heard some say, I don't have to go to church to be in relationship with Jesus. I don't have to read the Bible. I don't have to fellowship. I don't have to do this, do that, so on and so forth. And I just came to remind us today that Jesus has already laid the foundation for what it means to be in a relationship with him. And he has given us access to this concept so that we might read it, meditate on it, understand it, and pursue it. If I had to paraphrase uh, chapter 10, verses 7 through 16 in the book of John, I would say Jesus is simply stating, I am the shepherd, you are the sheep, and if you want to rock with my flock, then you have to go through me. You see, Jesus recognized that some found their way to the gate on their own accord. And so he said, unless you go through me, you will not enter in. You see, it is one thing to make it to the gate, brothers and sisters, but it is another thing to make it through. And Jesus is telling us that entry into his flock requires a relationship with him. So in John 10, Jesus uses this metaphor of the good shepherd and the sheep to help us understand what it means to be in connection with him. And if you're anything like me, brothers and sisters, you can't help but wonder of all of the titles God could have chosen or God could have given to himself and us. Why shepherd and why sheep? And many of you, like me, probably searched for a reason. And like me, you probably found three different versions from your top three favorite social media pastors. But I'm going to argue something very simple today. Us being called sheep actually has nothing to do with us at all. I believe that we are called sheep because God chose the title shepherd. He could have chosen any title that he wanted to. He could have come into this world as dictator or president or officer, commander or emperor, but he didn't. Why? I'm convinced that if he had chosen any one of those titles, it would have changed the dynamics in the relationship that he offers us and teaches us to seek. Try to think of it this way. Jesus couldn't settle for the title emperor because he didn't come into this world to rule an empire. Jesus wouldn't settle for the title president because he is not an elected official of the people. Can you imagine who Jesus would be if it were up to the people? In fact, what would Jesus be if it were up to the people? Jesus couldn't settle for dictator because there is nothing about this relationship that is a dictatorship. Everything that we do for the kingdom of God is on a voluntary basis. You see, Jesus could have come into this world as anything he wanted to, and yet he identified himself as a shepherd and his children as sheep. I used to say to myself, if Jesus called himself a shepherd, then there must be something cool about being a shepherd or there must be something or some reason that I should desire those standards of living. But after doing some research and some reading, I say to you today that you ought to go back in time and ask a shepherd what it was like to be a shepherd back then. In fact, I encourage you to just think about what Jesus had to go through in his short 33 years of living. 
Just think about that. When we hear the story of Jesus, it is conceivable that you would think he lived for 3,000 years, but he only lived for 33 years. Better yet, if we just focused on the three years of his ministry, then we can get an understanding for what it means to be a shepherd. Just try envisioning all of the things that he had to go through and all of the things that he had to endure. There were populations of people looking to crucify him. His closest comrades turned their backs on him time and time again. He demonstrated miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet he was faced with hater after hater after hater. I argue if anyone voluntarily chooses this type of lifestyle to live, then you have to be crazy. And why would I say that? The facts tells us that a shepherd was a lonely individual. He spent all day talking to sheep. In fact, in the old biblical days, the last thing anyone wanted to be was a shepherd. And if you were made to be a shepherd, it's because you were on the lower end of the totem pole and you had no power in the family dynamics. And so metaphorically speaking, the shepherd was the black sheep of the family. A shepherd is dirty, stinky. Just imagine spending all day herding sheep, walking miles and miles in hot or cold, unpleasant terrain in search of green pastures and clean water in desert-like lands. And brothers and sisters, you can't go home and jump on YouTube and think you're getting a true depiction of what it was to be a shepherd back then. You see, today we like to think of the sheep as these beautiful little creatures with beautiful fluffy white wool, but that couldn't be further away from the truth. You see, sheep were dirty, stinky, needy little creatures. And to be a shepherd, you had to be hands-on to care for your sheep. In fact, Jesus said, a good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. And it doesn't take long for us to arrive at an understanding for why God may have chosen the title shepherd. But admittedly, I still wanted to sort of unpack this question, why sheep? And the more and more I researched sheep, the more it started to make sense to me. Because we, like sheep, can be needy, dirty, filthy creatures stained with sin. Like sheep, we need a shepherd to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And it blessed my heart one day when my brother Hugh Coleman made a post on Facebook and it simply read, nothing about me is self-made. I owe God everything. I contend that there isn't a better declaration for a sheep to make. Like sheep, we rely on our shepherd to direct our path. In Proverbs, verses, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll do what? Make straight your path or he will direct your path. If it were up to us, brothers and sisters, some of us, if not all of us, we may be among the many that enter through the wide and broad gate that leads to the road destruction. Perhaps some of us would have followed the model of the Pharisees and attempted to circumvent Jesus by trying to enter the flock through the back door or through a side window or by trying to climb over a wall. Let me explain what that means. Some people today believe that they can preach their way into the kingdom of God. Others think that they can work their way into the fold and some believe that they can buy their way into the flock. But I argue that even if you donate $300 million dollars, and if you decide to donate that much money, please send a portion of that to Christ Church Charlestown. But even if you donated $300 million, you will still not gain entry into the kingdom. Trying to enter the kingdom banking on your social status is like trying to sneak through the back door. Relying on your education or your political status is like trying to climb through a side window. And trying to bank on your economic status is like trying to climb over the wall. Jesus says there is one way and that way is through him. To put it another way, he says, I am the door. 
In other words, he is the gatekeeper, the person who controls access to and out of the pen. So if a sheep wants to get into the pen, they must go through him. If they want to get out of the pen, they must go through him. Jesus says he is the only way. So he is figuratively and literally the one and only door. I'm reminded of a song that my sister in the Lord, Valerie Davis, used to sing with her deep, rough, raspy, yet beautiful Caribbean voice. She used to sing a song that says, Jesus has a way. You cannot go over. You cannot go under. You cannot go around, but you must go through. Simply put, brothers and sisters, if you want entry into the kingdom of God, then you have to have a relationship with its gatekeeper, and his name is Jesus. Every sheep needs a shepherd. And just to be clear, I'm talking to all of us because we are all sheep. But all sheep need a shepherd to lead us to green pastures and to sit us by still waters. The green pastures represent prosperity and still waters represent peace. All sheep really want in this world is a little green grass and a little bit of clean water. And all we really want in this world is a little prosperity, love and peace. And I came to tell you that the good shepherd can offer all three. Check out this fun fact. An important part of a shepherd's job is to make sure the sheep aren't eating poisonous plants or drinking dirty water because sheep will stop and drink out of any contaminated hole they can find. We are just like them. Because if I put a bottle of purified water in front of you and then I sit that next to a, a bottle of soda, perhaps a cup of coffee with all of the fixings of beer or a glass of wine, 90% of us will always choose the poison. And I know that I'm being a little dramatic when I call it poison, but I'm trying to paint a picture of us as sheep. The shepherd is there to offer us guidance in a time of decision making, brothers and sisters, because a good shepherd not only knows the way, but he goes the way and he shows the way. If I'm telling the truth out there in the cyber world, I want you to type amen in the, in the comments. Every shepherd needs its sheep. Excuse me. Every sheep needs its shepherd. You see, sheep need the shepherd to protect them from the wild animals, the stray dogs, the harsh elements, the wolves, etc. And we need our shepherd to protect us from the false prophets, the false teachings, the unsound doctrines and all of the wiles of the devil. But here is the ticket, brothers and sisters. If you want to be in the one flock, you must recognize the voice of the one shepherd. You must be able to call him by name. And we can't be willy nilly about this, brothers and sisters, and follow any old fool who calls himself a shepherd. Because the Lord said, all who came before me are robbers and thieves looking to steal, kill and destroy. Guess what? Most that came after him are robbers and thieves looking to steal, kill and destroy. And so you have to know who your good shepherd is. You see, Jesus desires for us to be in relationship with him. He desires for us to do more than just learn about him, but he desires us to know him personally. And make no mistakes about it, brothers and sisters, there are some rewards that come with this relationship, but we have to diligently seek his face. I believe that King David said it best in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He did not say the Lord is your shepherd or the Lord is their shepherd or the Lord is his or her shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And that is a distinct statement that emphasizes the relationship between him and his Lord. Relationship is absolutely key. Now, I believe that there are three distinct, conclusive points that Jesus, the good shepherd, wants us to take away from this particular passage um, when he talks about the explanation between the good shepherd and the sheep. And I think he does a phenomenal job at explaining it in John 10. The first point says this, the way in which we respond to Jesus can determine whether or not we are in his flock. 
in John 10 verses 1 through 6, which are the verses preceding our passage today, Jesus paints this picture for our understanding. You see, it once was a time when watching over sheep was a community effort. Many shepherds would leave their sheep to graze under the watch of a fellow shepherd while they went out and tended to other business. But once any shepherd would respond for the um, overturn for their herd, they had to call their sheep by name and their sheep had to respond to their voice. In fact, Jesus said not only would a sheep not follow a stranger, but they would run away. This is the relationship between a shepherd and its sheep. In other words, if you listen to any old voice or if you follow any old shepherd, then it is likely that you will end up in the wrong flock. You must know the sound of your savior, your shepherd, and respond to him and him alone. Point number two says Jesus is the single means to salvation for all mankind. I repeat that Jesus is the single means to salvation for all mankind. Now, some might suggest that isn't that a terrible selfish God to make himself the only way. And I say to you to look back at John 10 verse 9, which is a great demonstration of Jesus's love. You see, in John 10 verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door by me. That means by him and him alone. If any man enter in. He didn't say if some men or if those men or if my men, he said, but if any man enter in, he shall be saved and he shall go in and out and find pastures. You see, Jesus isn't like man today who says you're not welcome into this flock because you don't look like me or because you don't speak the same language or because you weren't born in Bethlehem like I was born in Bethlehem. Jesus said, I am the door. And if any man enter in, that includes me, that includes you, Gentile and Jew. Let me paint this picture for you. Let's say you have a destination in which you can only access by plane. And now you are presented with three options. First option is a one-way ticket to the north. Second option is a one-way ticket to the south. The third option is a one-way ticket to your destination. Which one would you take? And my point is simply this, right? I'm sorry, my point is simply this. Um, many have come into this world with many different offerings. Some have offered a path to enlightenment. Some have offered you peace and prosperity. Some have offered you knowledge of self, but one and only one has offered you salvation. And if you truly want to be delivered from the powers of sin, you must go through the one. You must be in relationship with the one. Jesus isn't asking you for religion. He isn't asking you for ritual. He is asking you for relationship. Just think about it this way. The Pharisees were teachers of the Bible. They knew the Bible like the back of their hands. They studied it diligently. They memorized the law. They even reordered their lives in obedience to it. And yet they missed it all because they rejected Jesus. Jesus said to them, you study the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. In other words, you refuse salvation and deliverance from the powers of sin. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Knowing the word of God for scholarly purposes is cool, but personally knowing the Jesus of salvation is better. He is the single means of salvation for all of mankind. We must go through him. And then the third takeaway says the intimate relationship between the good shepherd and his flock is representation of the relationship between himself and God the Father. You see in John 10 verse 14, Jesus says, I know my own and my own knows me. He goes on to say, I lay down my life for the sheep. It is extremely rare for anyone to lay down his or her life for someone that they do not have a relationship with. But Jesus laid his life down for you and for me so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. 
So here's the beauty behind it all, brothers and sisters. The heavy lifting has already been done. You don't have to complicate things anymore. You don't have to wine and dine Jesus for a relationship with him. There's no grace period before you can tell him you love him. He has already shown us the greatest demonstration of love possible ever. He died for you and he died for me. Now he desires a relationship with you. And so I'll conclude with four action steps that I think can help you if you're beginning your relationship with Jesus. And if you already have a relationship with Jesus, I believe that these four steps can help you to strengthen your relationship with Jesus. The first thing I'm going to encourage you to do is to invite him in. Just like I can't push my way into someone's life, the Lord is not going to force his way into your life. We have to invite him in. In other words, we have to request God to come into our lives. And once you make that request, don't be surprised by how the Lord decides to start working in your life. You see, your friends will tell you that they'll meet you halfway, but the Lord will meet you right where you are. He will meet you exactly as you are. But the difference is he loves you enough to not leave you where you are and to not leave you as you were when he came to you. He is going to do more than meet you halfway. And all we have to do is invite him in. Point number two, talk to Jesus. Just like all other relationships, communication is key. We must talk to Jesus on a regular basis. On some days, you might just want to pour your heart out and tell him how your day was. On other days, you might find yourself just thanking him endlessly for all of the goodness and the mercy that he has shown you. And on some days, you might want to go to him with a heavy heart and ask a couple of questions like, why? And for the record, brothers and sisters, it is okay to go to God with questions like, why? Just make sure that your questions are seeking guidance and understanding and not feeding any doubts that you might have. But we must talk to Jesus on a regular basis because this is important for all relationships. And the thing is, there are no conversations that are off limits. Point number three, listen. When you are done talking, listen. Don't forget that communication is a two-way street. Jesus will talk back to you, brothers and sisters, but we have to listen. And at first you can't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's okay because the Lord will talk to you in a number of different ways. The Lord will talk to you through your pastor, through your spouse, through your mentor, through your children, through your friends. And rest assured that everything that the Lord speaks to you is designed to feed the spirit that is within you. And although it may sound challenging, brothers and sisters, we must listen with our ears, with our mind and with our hearts. And the fourth and final thing I'm going to encourage us to do is do. We must listen so that we might hear and know what to do. In the book of James chapter 1 verse 22, the Bible says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. In Matthew 7 21, Jesus gave a stern warning to the people who hear the words of God, but do not act on them. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of my father in heaven. We must do. Reading the word of God to others is a good thing, brothers and sisters. Interpreting the word of God for others is a great thing, brothers and sisters. Sharing the word of God with others is an awesome thing. But if you are not doing the will of God, then the word of God can become ineffective to you. In other words, if you are not practicing what you preach, then you are deceiving yourselves because God calls all of his sheep to action. To put it plainly, if you enter into a marriage, there are expectations for that relationship. If you think about the dynamics between a parent and a child, there are expectations for that relationship. When you think about your best friend or how you engage with your siblings, or even if you enter into a working relationship with a colleague, there are expectations. 
if you want to enter into the one flock led by the one specific shepherd, the good shepherd, then there are some expectations. Aim for the one flock, the one shepherd, the one relationship. Let us pray. Heavenly Father who art in heaven, we thank you, Heavenly Father, just for this opportunity to give you all of the honor, all of the glory, and all of the praise, Heavenly Father. We pray that the word reaches someone, Heavenly Father, and plant a seed of transformation. We pray that the word will encourage them to act and move towards you, Heavenly Father, to build the relationship that you have offered us and that you have taught us to seek. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you reveal yourself in a way that makes it real for absolutely everyone under the sound of my voice, Heavenly Father, because I desire for everyone that hears me to have a relationship with you, Heavenly Father. So we ask that you continue to be the good shepherd, continue to show us the way, continue to lead our footsteps, Heavenly Father. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that all of these words will encourage us to open up our ears, our mind, and our heart so that we may hear you when you speak to us. We ask all of these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you.